Hi, this is Craig Valentine, host of Early to Rise Radio. Have you ever wanted to become wealthier, healthier, wiser, or just have more time to appreciate the finer things in life? On this show, we reveal what high performers are doing every day to be more successful without sacrificing their personal lives. Early to Rise Radio is sponsored by The Perfect Day Formula. Get your free copy of this game-changing success guide at freeperfectdaybook.com. Now let's get started with today's show. You ready to learn the formula for the perfect day? This is the show for you. We have a very special guest today. Today's guest is known as the world's most disciplined man. You know, maybe, maybe we're shifting away from the feminism right now. I don't know. It's getting weird today. He is also the author of The Perfect Day Formula and Wall Street Journal bestseller, Unstoppable. He's built and scaled multiple seven-figure businesses. And today, he's the go-to coach for entrepreneurs seeking to build and expand their empires and take back control of their lives. So without further ado, Craig Ballantyne, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And uh, Gino, I, I just had my first child. Uh, she's uh, six months old, and she she is absolutely amazing. And and I am all about family. That's uh, I, I was I'm a little late in life to the family thing. Like you're a little maybe you're a little late in life to the feminism thing. As uh, as Jake was joking, <laughs> he's but, definitely not. He's got five girls and one boy at home. So I, I mean, I've all, yeah, I just took a while to to uh, meet the right lady who's an amazing, strong lady, and I am I am all about every every morning. That's all I think about is family, the the wealth building, the health building, the protection of the family. Uh, I'm on board with that for sure. So I love it. I like that. I like that you said that too. the protection of the family. Unpack that a little bit, because, man, I'm right there with you on that. Well, I mean, it means everything from, you know, so we moved from Canada to Cancun um, to, to a little more freedom for several reasons that protect the family. We came down here when my wife was pregnant. We had our child here just south of Cancun in Playa del Carmen. It was an amazing experience. And our baby was then automatically granted a Mexican passport, which is insurance, an insurance policy in this world to have a second passport because she now has the Canadian and and, uh, Mexican passports. And if we stay here for 18 months, we'll get our second passports. And that is that's like a protection for our family in case, you know, when COVID happened, for example, the American passport an amazing passport, but you were you were restricted to traveling to about 35 countries during COVID yeah, for good reasons in, in a lot of cases. But um, at that time, like a, a lot of Americans couldn't leave and go anywhere. And and you never know what's going to happen in the future because uh, we do live in these wild and crazy times. And so I think about that. I'm starting Brazilian Jiu Jitsu because, you know, I, I I'm a skinny guy. I can run away from a lot of conflict, but that was when I was single. Now, now I need to be able to make sure that my family is safe. And just every single one of the things that I think about in the morning is how can I protect my family? And then obviously financially with passive income opportunities, with building another business, with putting the right people in place inside of the business, with getting my morning routine down so that I can maximize all these things. Cause it's a lot of, a lot of stuff on your plate when you think like that, but that's everything that goes through my mind in terms of the family protection, which is you guys are completely on board with that as well. Craig, how do you attack your anxiety? You've discussed a few things right now. I mean, one is being proactive. And let me give you one tip on, on child rearing. You have a daughter. You want your daughter to marry someone like you. And hopefully, you know, everyone listening to it has got a good character, good person of integrity. That's what a father has to be to a daughter. You want them to marry someone like you. That's why you have to be the role model. That's why you have to know how to treat a woman. That's why you have to know how you treat your daughter. So when she grows up, it's mirroring. And it's the same thing if you're a mother with a son. 
my wife and her, my son, they have a great relationship. My son looks up to my, to my wife and he sees, well, that is a type of woman that I want to marry. So Craig, as you're going on your journey with your children, always keep that in the back of your mind. How do you talk to them? Do you yell at them? Uh, do you respect them? Do you love them? Do you tell them what to do or do you let them make their own decisions? Those kinds of things are going to impact how she reacts with other men. And it's, it's upon us. So, you know, answering part of your question is being proactive. But what else do you do as far as uh, anxiety? Yeah. So just before I go into that, the one book that I was told to read and I have read already is called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. Oh, and I love it, that. it's the exact message that you just said. And then the second thing is that uh, many parents have said to me that behaviors are caught, not taught. So as much as we want to tell kids what to do, it's it's how they see you treat your your spouse, how they see you treat other people, that they will catch those behaviors more than you can teach them those behaviors. So those were two things that just popped in my mind as you were saying that. Now, back to the anxiety. 2006, I had two severe crippling anxiety attacks that sent me to the emergency room twice. So at that time in my life, I'm in the best shape of my life, you know, six pack abs could have been on the men's fitness cover because I was personal trainer in my previous career. I was making more money than I ever had in my life. And yet, because of so many things, um, you know, keeping all the thoughts in my head, doing too much work, working too many hours, too much caffeine, then too much binge drinking on the weekend, and just being a typical guy and holding my feelings in and or my thoughts. You don't necessarily have to share your feelings with everybody, but you have to get your the junk out of your head. And so that was the things that I did that pushed me to anxiety. Now, the solutions for anxiety are to get your thoughts out. We call I, I call it a brain dump. You can do it on a scrap piece of paper at the end of the day. It's the analogy or the the visual of this, guys, is you know, just imagine that somebody came over to your head, pulled back your cranium and poured in a thousand or 2000 piece jigsaw puzzle. And we walk around all day with jumbled up jigsaw puzzle pieces. Now, what do you do with a jigsaw puzzle? If you want, if you want to, you know, actually solve it, you have to pour it out on a table. And that's what the brain dump exercise is. So I teach people three things around that proactive approach that Gino mentioned at the at some point in your day, anytime after lunch and anytime up until about an hour before you go to bed, three steps. One, brain dump. Write down all the things that you want to do tomorrow, all the people you want to call, all the deals you want to run through, all the all the things you have to do, all the milk you have to pick up at the store, all the kids you have to pick up, all the workouts you want to do, everything. You just get it out, okay? You have to vomit it out of your brain. Otherwise, if you're the type of person who sits there at night in bed and can't fall asleep, it's because you got all those jigsaw puzzle pieces up in your head. So you get it out. Then the second step is you do a priority to-do list. You got 23 things on that paper. One of them has to be the number one most important priority for you to attack in the morning. And then the third thing, which most people don't do, is you need to do a little bit of process planning. You need to do a little bit of work to grease the groove on that number one thing. So as somebody who's written a lot of books... If I woke up in the morning with my to-do list that said, write chapter two for the book, I could open up the Word document, but if it's blank, I'm going to sit there and go, I don't know what to do. And now I've got writer's block. But if I do a couple of bullet points on that, I grease the groove, it's easier for me to get into. So that type of proactivity really helped me. Another thing in the morning is that you want to avoid stimulation from your phone as long as possible. So when I was going through my worst anxiety, I was waking up at 7.30 in the morning, which was too late for me because I'm naturally a person who wants to do everything in the morning. And I would immediately roll over in bed and check my email. 
And that was causing me severe anxiety because it doesn't matter if I got 30 good messages about, you know, sales messages about my programs or whatever. But if I got one critique or one person who couldn't download it, it would send me off in this negative spiral. And whether it's you checking the news or you checking the sports scores and seeing that your team lost or whatever, it can just, it can just eat you up for a couple hours and it's the worst thing to do. So you want to have a gap. You want to have a gap between the time you wake up and the time you get to your electronics. And during that gap, it can be as little as 10 minutes, you can start moving ahead on your number one project. So those are some things in terms of the mindset and the planning and the preparation. And then there's all the sorts of you know health things that you need to do. You need to get enough sleep. sleep. You need to stop drinking alcohol two to three hours before bed because it ruins your sleep, even if it's just one drink. You need to stop drinking too much caffeine and those types of things, which lead to the anxiety state. But I could go on and on and on, but I'll leave it at that. And, and if you guys want to dive deeper on anything there, I can I can definitely do that. Craig, I'm Italian. There's no such thing as too much caffeine. I'm just putting it out right. there. So. Exactly. <laughs> go from miss, 12 to eight espressos per day. <laughs> I miss those cappuccinos. I'm not going to lie to you. Got back a little while ago. Let's dive into the five pillars of transformational success. I want everyone to write these down. I'm going to, I'll yeah. say them and I I want Craig to, to dive into them. Number one is planning and prep. The second one, everybody, is professional accountability. And I love that because that's why we have the Jake and Gino community. You can do mm -hmm. deals by yourself. It'll take you a lot longer. Or you do deals within the community and you'll dramatically increase your learning curve and the speed. Number three, social support. I got my brosif over there in the green shirt. He's my social support. Number four, meaningful incentive. And number five, big deadline. Let's go through those real quick. Yeah. And so quick background, I was a personal trainer once and I ran these transformation contests. They were 12 weeks long. And at the end of this, and I was paying people money, like the winners of the contest, they get like 3000 bucks. And it was amazing. You get like a hundred for every hundred people that entered 80 of them would drop out. And I was like, what the heck? What, what is it that allows the single mother of three to continue on and finish this and actually lose the weight? And I boiled it down to these five pillars. And so what we need is better planning and preparation than ever before. And there's so many people listening to this who, you know, they were thought about buying their first investment deal. And maybe they even bought one without your help. And the deal was bad, you know, by the end, they lost money or, you know, something bad happened. And it was because they didn't have the better planning and preparation than ever before, which is, you know, they got coaching from you guys. They're like, oh my, this is how you actually professionally do the deal. Oh, I get it now. It's better planning and preparation. The people who went in and were able to lose weight, the people that stuck with it, they did better planning and preparation than ever before. Because so many people wake up on January 1st, they go, I'm going to lose weight this year. They've got no planning and preparation. And by day three, they don't know what to eat when they're, you know, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. They're at a gas station. They're taking their kids somewhere. They've been starving all day at work. And, you know, they just end up with a couple of chocolate bars because they didn't do the planning and prep. So planning and preparation. Better planning and preparation than ever before is essential for anything in your life. Number two, the professional accountability. It's great to have a buddy, right? It's great to have a buddy that's going to support you in any area of life. But research shows that accountability to a professional in the weight loss world, it was accountability to a nutritionist, a personal trainer, a doctor, or a nurse got somebody better results than having accountability to a friend. And I liken this one in the next pillar, which is social support to imagine you're running a marathon. Now, you're going to have professional accountability to your coach, and then you're going to have social support of the people who are cheering you on on the side of the road. But cheering you on at the side of the road can only go so far. If, if you don't have a good program, 
from your professional accountability, who's going to hold your feet to the fire to show up at every training session and do the right things. You know, you can have 50 people screaming at you, go, you can do it. That's not going to pick you up on those days where you're really, really struggling. So you have to have the professional accountability side, and then you have to have the cheerleaders, the coach and the cheerleaders. Both of those are essential to keeping you on track because along the way in any journey, there's going to be a lot of setbacks. Now, fourth is the big why. And we spent basically the first five minutes of this chat talking about the big why, which is family. I'm, I would imagine that covers 90% of the people. You're doing this for family. You're doing this for your kids, your kids' kids, and so on and so forth because of what our parents did for us. I grew up on a farm in Canada. We didn't have a lot of money, but my parents, you know, they taught me through uh, what I caught from them, which was hard work. You know, my mom worked in a factory all day. She came home. She sewed clothes in the winter. She worked in the garden until eight o'clock at night in the summertime. My dad was a farmer. I saw how, you know, cut up his hands were from the cold, from, you know, the summertime when he was cutting his hands on things. Man, they just taught me hard work. They did it for me. I'm going to do it for my kids. The big why, you know, when people want to lose weight, the number one reason that people would lose weight in my contest wasn't to win the 3K. It was because their doctor said, listen, if you don't change, you're not going to be here in 20 years for when your kid gets married. That'll kick you in the butt. That's the big why. And you must have that because if you don't, and you're only going for the money, you're only going for the new car, man, you know what? When it gets hard, new car doesn't really matter that much, but your family does. And then finally, the big deadline. In everything that you have, you must have a deadline. Because I like to say the biggest, the biggest example of this is Christmas. When is the parking lot full? December 24th. It's not like Christmas is a surprise. It's not like Easter, that holiday that just like shows up randomly every year, right? But Christmas is the 25th of December every single year. We know it. We could buy the presents today in September, October, but we don't because we wait till the last minute because the deadline fuels us. Every single person who runs a marathon runs harder for that last half mile than they did at mile 20. Every single person who has to get a real estate deal done stays up to you know, all hours. It does everything they possibly can to get it done before the closing date. And so the deadline, man, it just fuels us to do so much to push harder and it must be there. And also on the flip side, when there is a deadline in a project, we know that we can push hard to that point and then we can let off and take a little bit of a breather before we get back into the next project. So you put those five pillars into place and you can crush anything in your life. I've got the perfect day formula here, everybody. I'm holding it up and I'm going to take uh, Craig to task here a little bit. The word perfect always scares people because for me, proper planning prevents poor performance. And I always say practice makes progress. It doesn't practice, doesn't make perfect. It makes progress. The fixed mindset is always looking for perfection. I think the growth mindset is always looking to make progress. So why did you name it the perfect day formula? And and when let's pivot to that. Let's talk about the, the planner that you daily plan that you have that we were discussing off camera, because I think that's an amazing tool. Jake and I both despise journaling, to put it bluntly, softly. And your journaling is very simple. I've done it five days in a row. I'm surprised it takes me two or three minutes. It's sort of a brain dump for me in the morning. So yeah. can you d dive into those for me, please? Yeah, so perfect day. So the, so what I describe as a perfect day, and I remember having this as I was writing the book, It was it's one of those days where 
it's a work day. It's not like sit on the beach and drink six margaritas. That's the perfect margarita formula, which is a totally different book. But the perfect day formula is a day when you get up and you are productive in the morning and you move you and your family towards your big goals and you achieve accomplishment, not just activity. Everybody's busy and everybody ends the day with a lot of activity, but was there accomplishment in there? And you've maximized it, optimized it. Maybe it should be the, the maximized uh, day formula, the optimized day formula, but obviously everybody wants a perfect day. And so it, it is those days where you take a huge step towards your legacy, towards building your empire, towards building generational wealth. And we've all had those days where you look back and go, man, I just wish every day could be like it. And like most things in life, there is a formula to it. Now, not every deal is going to be perfect in the real estate world, but there's a formula that you guys teach people to making that first deal, that 10th deal. And so we look to stick to that formula as much as possible. So that's why I call it the perfect day formula. Um, and people really love to, to achieve those days full of accomplishment. Now, the journal that goes with it is something that really helped me during the times when I was having the anxiety. So I was going through this period of my life where I was being successful, but I was having that anxiety. And I came from a very cynical background. So I'm, I'm a cynical person by nature. I came from a scarcity mindset. You know, we grew up poor on the farm, not dirt poor, but, you know, hand me down everything. And so I didn't know that there was a lot of abundance in this world. It was it was not natural for me. And this was a transition point in my life. And I was reading a lot of mentors who influenced me in putting together this journal. And so I took a little bit from this guy, I took a little bit from a guy named Dan Sullivan from uh, he's founder of Strategic Coach, which is a big entrepreneur growth program. I took some from a guy named Vishen Lakiani, who runs this company called Mind Valley in Malaysia. You know, it's a little bit woo-woo. Dan's more a little bit uh, pragmatic. And I just took what I knew was going to help me build an attitude of gratitude, you know, steal a phrase from Tony Robbins, attitude of gratitude, belief in abundance. And going through the journal, there's a, the things that really stick out to me from that journal. There's about five little prompts that are in there. And the first one was, you know, just saying what you're grateful for in the day. And I often found myself just being like, I was so grateful for the little things. I wasn't grateful for a fancy car. I wasn't grateful for, you know, an expensive steak dinner. I was grateful for my dog. I was grateful for, um, you know, my coffee cup. You know, I love my favorite coffee cup. You know, it's the little things in life that really helped me develop that gratitude. And when you're grateful, it's hard to be anxious. So that was part of my transition. And then the other thing that's in there is write down the people that you're grateful for. And I remember every single day, I'm filling that space up with like 40 different people's names. And, and the next day, it'd be almost 40 different people. And I'm not much of, I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introverted by nature, but I met so many people through conferences and business and my online newsletters. I was just grateful for so many people. And I was like, I'm very rich and wealthy in relationships. And so that was another thing that just transferred my mind from that cynical, skeptical guy who, you know, that served me when I was a personal trainer because I was, you know, very skeptical of new programs and new ways of doing things that were often scams. But as I grew in my life, it wasn't always helpful for me to be skeptical and cynical. And that gratitude journal helped me make that transition. And, you know, now I'm never anxious anymore. Craig, how did you transform yourself from that scarcity mindset to the abundance mindset? Uh, the scarcity mindset to the abundance mindset was part of the realization that the, the more that I made other people rich, the richer I got, even without technically doing anything. So if I went and made 10 of my friends wealthier than me, 
the trickle down of them referring people to me or referring opportunities to me or them showing me a way to do marketing that would be beneficial to my business far exceeded like any value or any glee that I got from them not being successful. So that was that was, you know, there's a German word for it, Schadenfraud, when, you know, your enemies fail and you take pleasure in it. But that is a horrible way to go through life, you know, looking for that. I'd much rather be, I'm going to make everybody around me richer and I'm going to get to a point. It's almost like compounding wealth. When you make enough other people wealthy, you could just sit in a chair all day and eventually, and, and people would bring you all these opportunities and just make you wealthy. Like I'm sure just the amount of opportunity and, and that you guys have generated from people who want to give back because you've given them so much makes your life a whole lot easier. And so those were some of the things that helped me make that transition as well. Before we go for the to the performance questions uh, and the part of the show, you have five big questions here. I want to read them off and maybe you can pick one or two that are really, I guess, important for people. These are really empowering questions for everyone to really stop and think of because you have the brain dump. And as you have the brain dump, think about these questions. What do you want to change? Not many people think about that. They go through life not thinking of change and they want to change, but they never ask themselves that question. What is desired outcome? Well, what do you want to achieve from changing or putting a plan in place? What are potential roadblocks? What's stopping you? Be honest with yourself. And sometimes they're not as big as you think. What habits will these changes require you to remove? And what habits will these changes require you to add or continue? Those are five powerful questions, and they can be found in Craig's books. But Craig, I mean, pick one or two, and where should the where should the people start out? You know, wanting that change is it just hey, what do you want to change? Just be honest with yourself because I'm stuck right now. I'm gone through COVID. I don't like my job. I don't like how, how much I weigh. I don't like where I am in life. Is that just a simple question? But not many people ask themselves that question. It is. Also a matter of specificity. So I always ask people, what is your specific definition of success? Because if you want to lose weight, that's great. But tell me specifically, what is your definition of success? When you lose weight, is it losing 10 pounds? Is it losing a couple of jean sizes so you get back in those clothes that fit pre-pandemic? Like, what is it that you want to experience? Be as vivid as possible in describing your definition of success. Like if you go to any professional team, their vi their vision and definition of success is winning the Super Bowl. You know, they know exactly what stadium the Super Bowl is played in this year. And and they sit there and go, you know, it's holding the Vince Lombardi trophy above our heads at this stadium on this date. That is our definition of success. And anything else is not success. So what about you? No matter what goal it is, weight loss, financials, family, what is your specific definition of success? Don't just give me your New Year's resolution. I want to lose weight this year. Give it to me in very great detail. And I talk a lot about the vision in the perfect day formula. Like you've got to create this vision for your life, which is the movie script of your future. And that's key. And then something else that you mentioned is, you know, what's it going to take to make this change? And then you said something brilliant, Gino, which was often it's not going to take as much as you think. And so there's been a lot of times in my life where I've been trying to overcome these obstacles. And then I finally broke it down. You know, most of the time, if you have a scarcity mindset, you think it's going to cost too much. But when you actually break down what it is and you do a little bit of research, you can find that the solution to this is not going to cost you that much. Whether it's an investment in Gino and, and 
in their program, then Gino and Jake's program, you're going to go, well, you know, it's only if I just, if I cut out this much every week from, you know, this excess entertainment and I put it into this program, I can afford it. And then that's going to put me on a path to success. For me, I remember, um, I was doing all this work and I wanted, I wanted to take my working hours from 50 to 35 per week. And there was, you know, there's a lot of social media stuff and I was still doing it myself, even though I had hired somebody, I had literally had an employee that was supposed to be doing this. And I was doing their work because of my blue collar mindset and my scarcity mindset. And I felt, who am I to ask one of my employees who's paid to do this? Who am I to ask them to do this work? What, like I can do it myself. And so I realized these five words for anybody who's an entrepreneur, these five words will kill you. I will do it myself. And so I just really started putting it. I put that year's focus on automating, delegating, and eliminating the work that I was not put here on this earth to do. I was automating, delegating, and eliminating the work that I was not put here on this earth to do. And so once, once I started thinking like that, it made a huge, huge change. Your machine and, was broken. Yeah. Exactly. My thought pattern, my system, the system I had was built from a flawed system of my youth and my parents' belief around money. And I had to fix that. I, th I think the pinnacle as an entrepreneur is to build the machine, make sure it's running properly, doing what you want it to do, and then have it perform at a high level without you there. And if you're not at that point, there's something broken and there's work to be done to fix it. I love this quote uh, from the late Steve Jobs. We don't hire great people to tell them what to do. We hire great people so they tell us what to do. And that is my goal with bringing on every team member is that I hire someone smarter than me in what the, in many ways, but in, in especially in what they're doing so that they bring the great ideas and they're proactive and they implement the ideas. That's what I'm looking for so that that's not what I'm, you know, I'm not doing their work anymore. And we that's call the that the system. I'm a mentality. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm oh, gonna I like this. it. I'm going to do everything, right? So <laughs> let's start off with planning your week and, and organization. You talked about a planner uh, that you have. Discuss how you stay organized, how you use that planner uh, and the results that you got from it. Yeah. So one of the things that we do, we have, I have another book, The Perfect Week Formula. And what we what someone can do right now is to just draw a seven by seven grid, seven days of the week and about seven time blocks over the course of the day, about two to three hours. And then the secret to getting more done in less time is boundaries. So setting up boundaries for when you're going to stop, stop work and communicating those boundaries through your professional accountability so that your accountability partner holds you to not overworking. And then making sure that you do your number one activity first thing in the morning. And that is planned and prepared the night before. And when you do just even those three simple components of the perfect week formula, you're going to be able to increase your productivity, increase your accomplishment while reducing your busyness activity. Those are some of the things that go in there. And the brain dump is a key component of that. And then scripting your day as much as you can. Now, Mike Tyson has a famous quote that everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, right, for a fight. And, and that's kind of the way that many days often go. But if you're even planned for what happens when you... I think that's super true. I mean, obviously, we get shit thrown at us. But I mean, I script my days out and time block everything. And yes, there'll be pivots and, and things throughout the day. But I mean, shit, I think for the most part, it goes pretty according to plan most of the for time. For you, though, because you're prepared and planned. But Craig's talking about people who are just winging it every day, Suck getting it up, up and get your shit done then. But he, yeah, and so here's the thing is for every, Sorry, like every, every problem that comes up, you must have solutions for it. So everybody goes through life and goes, well, yeah, but you know, sometimes the kids get sick. 
Well, okay, so that's a passive approach to it. Yes, sometimes the kids do get sick. In fact, you got to plan for it. You're proactive. So so have three solutions. Kid gets sick in the morning. Who's the person who's going to pick them up? Where are they going to go? Or else your machine is broken. It's the same thing at home. It's the same thing, guys. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. Good call out there. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just, you know, I don't know. I'm just in a feisty mood today, Gene. I'm Good, sorry. Bring so, it on. <laughs> you know, uh, so uh, you, you also talk about being a personal trainer. What about uh, any diet tips? Because I know Gino loves sugar. He loves candy bars. You know, he basically is his, his diet is based around becoming a diabetic. And so this is here, this like, is the gentleman that when I was eating organic 15 years ago, looked at me and goes, are you nuts? What are you spending all that money? And now I go to his house. I can't open up the fridge without seeing organic plastered all over the place. And he's looking at protein I'm and not, carbs. I'm and not like- saying that's completely <laughs> all me, my friend. But I'm, 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 I'm there. I'm with you. <laughs> I, I will say at the end of the day is I believe that almost every diet works you just have to fund the one that works for you. And so there's going to be some people that love the whole intermittent fasting thing. I'm going to eat whatever I want between, you know, 12 and 8 PM, but I'm not going to eat breakfast. I'm not going to eat 12 o'clock till 12 o'clock. And then I'm going to stop eating at eight o'clock, you know, so that works for some people. Other people love the six mini meals per day. And that works for some people. Most people who have a busy schedule doesn't work for us. Some people love the high, high protein. Some people love the keto diet. Listen, you just, you just have to, Try them until you find one that works for you. But, you know, the candy bar diet is probably not going to work for too many people. I was being Over the age of 12. Gino's, <laughs> you know, like Gino's almost as afraid of sugar as much as he is the devil. Like he's it's sugar <laughs> and the devil and just runs the other way. So you got to be okay. careful with him. Uh, any, uh, you know, so you're kind of talking about, you know, anxiety before and and things like that. Any meditation or spiritual practices that have benefited your life? Yeah, so I do a meditation every day. I started uh, I started meditating at the uh, in St. Petersburg. At, was it the Vinroy Hotel or whatever it is? Um, St. Petersburg, uh, January twenty eighth, two thousand thirteen. I haven't missed a day since. Now I don't do transcendental meditation. I, I just sit there and I breathe deeply, and I close my eyes and I do that for about ten minutes, and I throw in a little bit of gratitude in there as well. And, and that's it. Because for me, what I learned when I had my anxiety is that I was breathing improperly. And most people breathe from their upper chest. And when you breathe from your upper chest, you have short, shallow breaths. And when you have short, shallow breaths, you're breathing off a lot of carbon dioxide. And that leads to increases in adrenaline in the bloodstream, which is a hormone called epinephrine. And that is part of the anxiety formula. So if you want to reverse that, you do anything like yoga, meditation, tai chi, qigong, where you breathe through your belly. You breathe in through your nose, fill up Show that us belly. Right now, for the folks on YouTube, let's get it. Let's get a, a visual here of what this looks like. So my big, my big belly. I see the belly expand. Oh, look at that! Yeah, big belly breath, and then a slow exhalation. And you know, you can do that Out through the pr- mouth or the nose. Through the nose. Uh, you can exhale through the mouth. So in through the nose, fill up the be- uh, belly. And you can do this sitting in traffic, you know, six seconds in, four seconds out. In a minute, you will calm down. I mean, it's it's crazy to believe. Uh, it's crazy to believe this will work on Gino, but I bet you it would even work on him. And you can do the meditative breathing while praying, while doing a traditional meditation. But learning how to breathe properly, as ridiculous as it sounds, was one of the key things. And here, you know, I was 30 years old when I had anxiety. I thought like, I, could, I could enter a professional breathing contest. I've been breathing for 30 years, but I still didn't know how to do it right. So, <laughs> so, funny so, so that, that will really, really help. You're doing it every really second of every day and you're screwing it up. 
Uh, Craig, no. let me ask you a question. Uh, this yeah. may be a controversial question for young people out there, but what we've seen is young people have a lot of anxiety and young people don't have the mental toughness. They need safe spaces. You can't email them things because that's their safe space. You can't say certain things. They get triggered. You cannot get triggered unless you let yourself get triggered. That's just what they don't understand. There's Covey talks about stimulus and response. You get stimulated. You have the ability to form a response. And a lot of the techniques you're talking about may help with anxiety for those young people out there. And we're sending the wrong messages in schools and colleges. There's no such thing as a safe space in the world. Once you get out there, you're going to, as Jake likes to say, you're going to get kicked in the nuts. It's just, it's just the reality. Well, it's you're going to get abort, punched. Abort, abort, right? Don't engage, abort, yeah. abort, right? And then what happens? You live in a board of life, a disengaged life, and you're not having any kind of impact. So what do you, when you speak to people who are young, who have these issues, and I'm not talking about people who have serious mental illnesses. We're just talking about regular people who are stuck, who are, you know, during the pandemic, they've been shut down, they've been closed in, or, you know, they're, they're alone and they're getting messages from media or from schools telling them it's okay to have this safe space. It's not okay. It's okay to have dialogue. So let's, let's discuss and let's debate. Let's, so what do you say to them? So the, the, if, if I was King, the first thing that I would do is force every teenager to read man's search for meaning by Viktor Frankl. Um, if, if people don't are familiar with that book, you got to put it on your reading list too. You, you want to get a perspective on what life is about you read that book and understand that a man can you know, keep his happiness through living in a concentration camp. And in that book, he also talks about the stimulus and response that everything can be taken from a man except his, you know, the way that he responds to a certain thing. You can take everything from somebody. And so you, they have to learn these hardships. And then I would force them to get a manual labor job. I would force them to do fitness training minimum three times per week. My friend Bedros Koulian, who's a guy you guys definitely need on the show, he wrote a book called Man Up. And he runs a thing called a, the Squire Program, where fathers and sons go to his compound that he has in California. And they spend the day exercising together. They, they're you know running hills. They do a big hike. They do uh, cold plunges together and ice baths so that these young men under the age of 15 are with their fathers developing a great bond and great uh, trust the you know there's there's crying there's breakthroughs there's all this sort of stuff they're talking about hey you know here that the the son actually gives feedback to the father in front of all these other people and the father gives feedback to the son and at the end of the day the father has to walk the blindfolded son through an obstacle course where there's there's nails on the ground, there's barbed wire, there's all these things. And, and so it develops this trust. And so I would force every young man and his father to go through this program. The problem is that there are too many of these fatherless homes, which is which is a shame. And so, you know, obviously the the future of our children starts with the, you know, the presence of our families. So mm-hmm. those are some of the things I would do. Um, but, you know, I know that uh, one thing that worked for me was was digging ditches for two dollars and eighty five cents an hour when I was 12 years old because I wanted to get something. And my parents said, you don't get anything for free here. You got to go get a job. It's so true. I just remember so many times clearing brush or, or cutting, you know, wood with, uh, you know, with my dad or whatever and, and things like that. And my grandfather as well. It makes a big difference. You know, it, it toughens you up. And I, I just think that there's so many people that have you know grown up on a device and have not really got out in the world and, and sweat and, and push themselves. And so then they're afraid of, of these things. And it's, it's very unfortunate. Yeah. So. You know, I, 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 there's another guy named Vern Harness who runs a program called scaling up and he, we, he we, in, we went through it. 
Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. Vern, Vern, what he does for his sons is a rite of passage, which is similar to that Squire program around 13, 14 years old. There's, there's programs out there that you can find, you know, some of them take the kids into the woods and some of them take the kids into other things that take them through a rite of passage where, you know, it's a real physical hardship for them. And then at the end, they all come together and, you know, it's this, it's this thing that's in many, many cultures that is lost today. And unfortunately, the devices are uh, a horrible replacement for for real parenting. Yeah, talking about it yesterday. Yeah. Uh, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? What's the hub for you know all of your uh, your stuff here? Yeah. So the best way to get a hold of me is either on LinkedIn or on Instagram at Real Craig Valentine on Instagram. That's the social media I use the most, and then. I have uh, the Perfect Week Formula is available at perfectweekformula.com if you want the physical copy. It's also on Amazon. And then I give away free copies of all three of my books, the digital and audiobook versions. And I don't even ask for your email address at craigvalentine.com forward slash free books. Because again, my books were written. I, I bled for those books. There was some, that was some of the hardest work I ever did. And I wrote those books to be read. And I know that they will change, change people's lives. All right, Mr. Italy here. Take us home. What you got? 2006, Mr. Ballantyne has a breakdown. He's probably at the peak of his life, got the six-pack six abs, working out great. But what does he do in the morning? He wakes up in the morning, he checks his phone. He's starting to stress out, and he has a complete breakdown. And I think that is probably the low point of his life, and he had to figure out a plan to get out of that. And from that, we have the perfect day formula. We have the brain dump, the priority to-do list, the process planning. We also have automate, delegate, and eliminate. So from being on an island all by himself to becoming an entrepreneur, that scarcity mindset to the abundance mindset, and you know, really trying to elevate the consciousness of others out there. And I think that's his mission, to really help others achieve the abundance mindset. And like Craig said, the more people he helps, the more money he makes. Love it. Wow, that's great. <laughs> Craig, we, listen, we really appreciate your time today. Uh, great show. And gang, as always, we believe in buying deals for the long term. Thinking decades. I'm Jake. He's the G-Daddy. And we make it happen. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.